Uh, but we're at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through the book of Matthew, and this section is, uh, just like the rest of it, is really convicting, all right? And we're entering to, so it's the final chapter, chapter 7, and this section of Scripture is often quoted, rarely understood, and rarely applied. It's one of those. One of those Scriptures we like to put on bumper stickers and T-shirts and memes on the Internet, um, especially when we feel attacked, but then we almost never really understand it and re- rarely ever actually apply it to ourselves. We just want to apply it to other people. Don't judge me, man. Judge not. Right? We don't ever, ever tell ourselves that. We tell other people that. We quote it at people. You ever do that? And so what I want to do is flip that around this morning and quote it at ourselves. And let it apply to us instead. So I'm going to read this and then we'll explore what it means together. This is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So, verse 1 is what gets quoted. Judge not, lest you be judged. And we usually leave out the rest of the verses, right? And, and it's like my favorite is uh, the Miley Cyrus horrible quotation of this, which is, only God can judge us, which is like, do you really, are you asking God to judge you? I don't understand what's happening right now. So it's like, don't judge me, don't, don't tell me what I can and can't do. And that is actually the, not at all what Jesus is saying here, okay? Um, to say judge not without any consideration of the rest of the section is to completely miss the point Jesus is making. Verse 2 makes his point more clear as he expands on it. He says, the standard by which you judge will be the standard that you are judged by. So it's not about the judging so much as it's the measure that you use to judge, the way that you judge. Then Jesus gives us a silly, exaggerated metaphor. This is supposed to be funny, okay? If you start to picture it and you feel yourself chuckling, that's not disrespectful of Scripture. That's, you're supposed to kind of go, that's ridiculous. It's, a, it's hyperbole, right? It's, it's taking a metaphor to the extreme to kind of make a point. He says, why do you take the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your eye? That you hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you'll see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So picture some guy with this, he's been impaled by just a big log, like a two by four. And it's sticking out of his eye. Wrong arm, I shouldn't do that. Like this, right? And then he sees like his sister, Susie, and she's complaining about some piece of dust 
that's blown into her eye. She's like, oh, I can't get it out. And he goes, you know, let me help you. And he's bopping her in the head with this log, this big two-by-four sticking out of his head as he tries to see to take this little, tiny little piece of dust out of her eye, and it's so ridiculous. And that's the way we look to God when we start going around going, I can't believe you have a speck in your eye. It looks ridiculous, because it is. The level of hypocrisy that we, us fallen creatures, <laughs> would look at other fallen creatures and pretend as though we have no problems and everyone else has all the problems. And that you are the one that's messed up, not me. And then to, to, to actually propose that we are holy enough to fix that person. As though we don't have a giant stick in our face, right? It's futile, so you can't, right? But you can't see because you've got the thing in your eye. But it's also hypocritical. It's both. It's futile and it's hypocritical. So not only can the man with the log not help his sister with the speck, but the man with the log is morally disqualified by his own hypocrisy to do it. So Jesus is not prohibiting discernment. In fact, just in the next few verses, we'll talk about this in a minute, he calls some people dogs and some people pigs. I don't know like, if you realize this, but dogs and pigs at this time are not, dogs are not the fluffy, cute, floppy-eared creatures that we love and adore, man's best friend. These were wild, smelly, hated creatures. And pigs are not these pot-bellied animals made of bacon <laughs> that we love to see in movies where they talk. And we go, oh, what a cute pig, it's talking right? With a little squiggly tail. These were more like wild boars. They're a nuisance. They breed constantly, they destroy things, and they're aggressive and angry little demon pigs, okay? This is what, so when he says some people are dogs and pigs, don't, you know, and he talks, that's, some would call that judgmental, but it's not. Jesus is saying the way that you judge is really important. The issue here is the critical, hypocritical attitude. We are to be discerning of things like false teachers, false prophets, heretical doctrines, etc. In Matthew 18, for example, Jesus sets up our template for church discipline. And then Paul takes that and, and really fleshes it out in 1 Corinthians and says, you know, you have to actually, when, when someone is, 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 has chosen to persist in sin and is unwilling to repent, you have to call that what it is, which is sinfulness, and you can't abide by that. So he's not, Jesus is not saying don't judge things. We are told actually specifically to judge things. It's the hypocrisy that is so ridiculous. In the Christian world today, we have so many who would call themselves Bereans or fruit inspectors. That's my favorite. Assign yourself a title, an official title. I'm a fruit inspector. Or heresy watchdogs. Those are fun websites to visit every now and then. We were on one once. We're not heretics. 
these are quite often just hypocrites with logs in their eyes, finding very shallow justification in other people's errors. So they see an error in someone else, and maybe it's a real error, maybe it's not. But they use that to justify their own hypocrisy and to say, well, I'm the holy one. I'm not a hypocrite. Look at how wrong they are. And Jesus looks beyond all of that surface stuff, and he looks at the heart, and he says, oh, you're, you look like, you look ridiculous. You and your website, you look ridiculous. The point here is not even that we should moderate or be soft in our judgment of sin and heresy. Okay, so that's not the answer either. Well, I'll just be less bold or less discerning. The point here is that we should avoid the hypocrisy of a judgmental, arrogant attitude about it. We should only call out sin if we are also attending to our own sin with humility. So you would say, like, if you have, we should be good friends to each other. And part of being good friends to each other is saying, hey, the way you treat your wife, for example, is no good. It's no bueno. Don't, don't, don't talk to her that way. I'm your friend. I love you. But what do you do before you say a thing like that to a friend? You look at your own self and you say, God, is there a log in my eye? Before I open my mouth to a friend, I got to check my own heart. And am I walking around puffed up with my own pride? Have I checked myself? Am I even doing the same thing? That's what you do first. That's humility. So when you see the sin of another, do you also apply an equal measure of mercy to that person? Or do you create an oversimplified character of that person or that type of person that is one-dimensionally evil? This is super easy on the internet, isn't it? Because they're just even farther away. You don't even know them. So you can really kind of fill in the blanks of all your ignorance about them as a person. All the things you don't know, all the things you don't know about what's going on in their head, in their heart, in their life, and you can just sort of fill in the blanks and make them into this one-dimensional flat person that's evil and terrible, which then gives you permission to say any vile thing you want to say about them because they're basically Hitler. Get the log out of your own eye first. And it's amazing what happens when you start yanking the log out of your eye, you realize how hard it is to pull a log out of your eye. You realize how painful it is and how difficult it is. And you are confronted by your own weakness. And all of a sudden that begins to color how you feel and how you treat other people. Because all of a sudden you have mercy for other people who are also struggling with having giant logs in their eyes. When you see the sin of another, do you refuse to call it sin in a misguided effort to be merciful? It's also a mistake. Well, it's none of my business. Sure it is. You're their friend. Right? <laughs> I mean, are you a friend or not? Both of these errors, I think, seem to coincide with how we treat ourselves. That says a lot about how we see ourselves, what we understand about the grace of God. Difficulty in this area shows a difficulty either in acknowledging your own sin or receiving the merciful grace of Christ over your sin. Sometimes when you're really hard on yourself, you're really hard on other people. And sometimes when you're really hard on yourself, you're too easy on other people. 
How many pastors have been famous for preaching against certain sins that they find out later that that was a sin they were personally engaged in? So the question Jesus asks is asking us is if God judges you by the same standard that you judge others, how will it go for you? <laughs> like if you, if you get to heaven and you're standing before Jesus and he says, okay, we're going to look at how you judged other people and by that standard we'll judge you. How will it go for you? That's not what's going to happen. You'll be judged actually by his standard, which is perfect, infinite holiness. But it's, Jesus is trying to get us to look at ourselves and look at our hearts in this question. So what's this about the pearl before pigs, pearl before, before swine? And what does that have to do with what we were just talking about? He says, do not give dogs, this is verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Notice the parallel structure of the verse. Don't give dogs what is holy, they'll turn and attack you. Don't throw pearls before pigs, they'll trample them underfoot. So Jesus is adding a warning here. This is what I, this is what I think it means. Because there's another tendency, right? Which is to, instead of being judgmental, say, well, I don't want to be judgmental. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to chase after and continue to try to minister to and proclaim the gospel to people that reject it and don't, and, and reject me and are aggressively uh, angered by what I say to them. It's basically to be completely undiscerning. So not only should we not be judgmental, we should also not be undiscriminating. So these pigs, you throw pearls down and they think it's food and they, they realize it's not and they just trample it. They don't recognize the value in what you've offered them because they're pigs. And a wild dog, if you approach it and you try to feed it, or pet it, or say, here, boy. When once you get his attention, he'll turn to you, and instead of coming up and licking you and, and becoming your man's best friend, he's going to attack you and bite you and try to kill you. And Jesus is saying, don't offer the gift to those people. You are not required to offer the gospel and the benefits and the grace and the gifts that that is, the precious gift that it is, you're not required to offer it to everybody. If you look at the life of Jesus and how he ministered to people and who he ministered to and who he rebuked and who he just walked away from, it's very interesting. He was discriminating. The dogs and pigs metaphorically represent those that show willful disdain for the gospel and all that it offers. These are people who abominate Christ, who willfully harden their hearts against God and refuse his grace. Don't chase those people down. And don't feel guilty about it. I would say it's actually at some point can become a sin to do that. To offer the riches of the gospel to them will not only instigate a vicious attack against you, but it denigrates the value of the gospel itself. Someone who would take a handful of precious pearls and throw them in the mud in front of a pig doesn't value the pearls either. That's what that metaphor represents. So you may have taken the log out of your own eye, but can you remove the speck 
from the eye of a snarling dog. Dog that's got a splinter in its foot. And it's... And we like to think, I'll be the one that'll tame the beast. But at some point, you say, maybe I shouldn't try. Maybe it's not what God wants me to do. Now, this is dangerous. Me saying this is dangerous. Can you feel your heart struggling a little bit with that? Well, that's good. (laughs) Because it's tempting, I think, on the one hand, to just be dismissive of everybody. Because God is also really, really patient, and we shouldn't be less patient with people than God is. But at the same time, there's a point at which you say, this is not a true seeker of God. They may pretend to be, they may say they are, but really what they want to do is put God on trial. I will not have that conversation with people. It may sound like I'm witnessing witnessing to somebody, but if that person is acting like they are above God and they are putting God on trial, God must answer me these five questions. He must answer me. Why does this happen? And if he, and the question is, if God answers all of your questions to your satisfaction, would you still believe in him? And the answer might be no. If the answer is no, I'm done. God is not beneath anyone. He is not beneath anyone's intellect. And he will not play that game with any of us. Is Jesus dying on the cross? Is Jesus dying for you not enough? But see, I think if we separate that command from the command to not be judgmental, that would be a huge mistake. We have these two things Jesus puts together, linked together, in the same teaching, the same paragraph, the same moment. And they kind of pull against each other in our heart. I want to be humble. I want to get the log out of my own eye. I want to be gentle and gracious. I want to, I want to give mercy and patience to people. When I, when I speak to them, I want to be, I want to be just really like slow to judge and very quick to repent. And at the same time, I want to continue to recognize that God has given me precious, precious jewels and I should treat them with honor and not just throw them to people that don't actually value it. Life online makes it incredibly easy to be judgmental because you never see the complete person. You might think you do, and they might actually, we we all kind of pretend, don't we? (laughs) You put stuff out that you think makes you look good, or at least look not bad. And the the struggles and the crazy thoughts that go through your head and those things you kind of hold in, and that's probably a good thing, okay? I'm not saying you can just go like dump your craziness out on the internet, all right? However, we forget that we're not seeing the whole person on the screen. You only see what they say, and often they say it in a way that can be easily misunderstood. You have to make a choice, usually in a split second, whether to take the statement in the best possible way or the worst possible way, and it's a split second decision that we make. Don't be judgmental. Hopefully you've gotten used to the typing of the statement and then the deleting of the statement. (laughs) Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll get to see all the things we deleted before we sent them. 
It'll be an entertaining tromp through the judgment in our hearts. But <laughs> it's good, though, that you delete that stuff and don't just say it. Simplistic caricatures of others is a sure sign of being judgmental towards someone else, thinking that a person is all bad or all good. One I'm seeing right now all over the place, online and offline, is what if that rabid leftist you despise so much isn't actually trying to destroy America, but loves this country as much as you do and just has a different definition of saving it than you do? doesn't make them right, but it also doesn't make them evil. We have all kinds of categories that we do this with, theological categories. I remember in college, I had a real kind of thing, judgment against anybody that didn't, wasn't as charismatic as me. Anybody that didn't believe the gifts were for today or had some modified position like that, I was like, they're just dead Christians. That was in my heart. And then I met one that was more, loved Jesus more, had a more authentic faith than I did, and it was obvious and it really bummed me out. Because I don't have, God, I don't have a category for a person that doesn't believe all the right things, but is more in love with you than I am. Because I believe the right things. And I really struggled, lost a friend over it. And it still bums me out. We got to have some humility. See, there's a that there's a way to not agree with a person, and not be judgmental towards them. We have to learn how to judge. Maybe that's another way we could put it. We must learn to be slow to judge, and quick to repent. We must learn to be both humble and bold, and we have to learn to recognize who God's called us to minister to and not minister to. And it's okay, you don't save anybody. It's God who saves. And we live in the tension of those two things constantly, and I think that's going to get harder. There's going to be more and more things that we find wrong in the world around us. And we've got to be able to be bold and clear in rejecting things that are ungodly while being humble about it and being careful that we don't start acting like, I don't have a log in my eye, you do. And that's not the reality. The reality is we are people of repentance and people of humility and people who take stands for the truth and say what we believe. If you think that's hard now, I think it's going to get harder. So we've got to get good at it. <laughs> So why don't we pray together? If you're here in the room, why don't you stand up? Get some blood to your feet. By the way, I'm sorry to everybody on this side. I have a crick in my neck. I hurt myself sleeping last night because I'm 45 now. So it's not that I don't like you, Jamie. It's that this hurts, right? This doesn't. So I want to pray and just... Maybe just that we would repent first, because I'm, I'm thinking, if you're like me, you've, you notice some judgment in your own heart as we read, we th thought about this stuff, and then I want to actually pray that we become experts, like by the Holy Spirit, that he would do something in the church, that we would become experts at walking this tightrope of being discerning, 
but not judgmental. Because I don't see a lot of examples, there are some, but I don't see a lot of examples in the public square of that. Amen? So let's pray. I want to ask God for that. God, first, we just take a minute right now to repent to you. God, forgive us for being hypocrites. God, for creating caricatures of people and uh, being unable to see our own sin, only being able to see others. God, for applying motives to people that we don't even know if they're true, if it's true. God, for often taking people at assuming the worst instead of assuming the best. God, forgive us. God, I pray for Living Hope Church and your church, your global church, that we would be experts like Jesus was at being discerning and bold in our discernment, clear in our discernment of things that are true and things that are false. And God, I pray that we would also be in our discernment that we would be humble, that we would be aware of our own brokenness, that we would never forget how hard it is to overcome our flesh, how hard it is to be weak. God, I pray that we would be an example of what Jesus is like in this way. God, help us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. See you next time.